This is a production of Cornell University. Thanks everyone for joining us. This is episode two of season four, the Cornell Turf Show. Uh, today we're going to chat some sports turf with Ben Polymer. Uh, he's in Weston, Mass. You guys might remember Ben from previous episodes last year. Uh, we're going to get Ben's thoughts on on sort of starting up the spring, how how the athletes are getting out on those fields, using those fields. And we're going to get to t- some talk about BMPs and sports turf too. We talk about uh, BMPs a lot in, in, go- in golf course turf and uh, excited to talk about a new document uh, Ben helped put together for the uh, for the New England folks on sports turf BMPs. But uh, Frank, let's uh, let's start it off with you as always. Bring my co-host Frank Rossi in here today. Uh, Frank, let's uh, let's get going and, and get your thoughts on how the season is uh, might progress here going forward. Okay, thanks, Carl. Let me get the slides up here. Um, great to be back. Uh, in our tenth year, and we're we're and in a minute you're going to get to hear Carl rant, which as I you know I, I really have enjoyed uh, these rants. He had a great one yesterday on the golf ball, and I threw him a fish hook in to see if he'd go for the bifurcation argument, but he didn't fall for it. He's much smarter than I am. So we have a great guest today. It's going to be a, a great thirty minutes and go by really fast. But I like to start out with knucklehead stuff, right, Ben? You know how do you, how do you plow snow and on synthetic fields if with someone who doesn't know what they're doing, right? This goes to the whole idea of the, the professionalism and the way sports turf managers are perceived in their facility operations. And, you know, that's just why we have you, Ben, because it's really important to model, not just to uh, students and young people that want to do this, but to administrators. And we're going to get to administrators here in a minute. Um, but Carl, before we get started, I, I know you've got something really interesting that came across your desk because uh, you're involved uh, just trying to just being a concerned citizen. How about that? A concerned citizen caring about the grounds in the city of Ithaca. Tell us about this story. Yeah, Frank. So so I visit Cass Park down in, down in Ithaca right on the inlet very often. Go there with my daughter, go there with my dog walking around. Uh, this is a, a basically a facility. It's got like 12 to, to 13 athletic fields. There's baseball fields, soccer fields, a lot of sort of intramural youth sports that go on there and a lot of walking trails as well. Uh, so they came out with a draft report of their uh, capital plan. They want to renovate this area in the near future. So they came out with a draft plan uh, and requested some comments from the public. Uh, and so what I was interested in is the turf section. So as we move forward here, there's almost a 400 page document and a lot of it is spent talking about the natural grass fields and what they want to do. Uh, they want to amend the soils, maybe raise them up because uh, it's right on the water edge. There's a lot of uh, sort of ponding and, and, and action that happens. They want to add drainage maybe. Uh, so that's all really good. There's a lot of meat and, and potatoes in there about renovating these fields and specs there. But what I was interested in was, are they going to address the maintenance on the back end of those fields? So as I'm reading through, I see a lot about uh, sand specs and, oh, we're going to have to raise it this amount, topography. Uh, It took me until page 314 out of 374 to get to the part where they talked about maintenance considerations for the grass athletic field. So this is buried way down in the appendix. Uh, I guess they get a a point for uh, addressing general maintenance. Uh, But if we read some of these, Frank, the bullet point, the first bullet point they say is uh, cut the grass shorter during wet periods to allow more sunlight. Oh, go one back, one back there. Allow more sunlight to reach the soil and assist in drying out faster. Uh, Frank, I've never heard that. Cut the cut the grass really short, scalp it down when when the soil's saturated. That's not necessarily a best practice to me. Uh, bullet point three was another interesting one. Use calcined clay and diatomaceous earth uh, in turf grass areas. 
uh, maybe some of those materials used in infield in skins. Uh, but those materials used in turf grass areas may, uh, in, in, you know, when I'm looking at that, maybe that actually hurts the physical properties, not necessarily a good recommendation there. Um, so while I mentioned maintenance, they talk about it really generally, uh, and they actually give some, some sort of questionable uh, maintenance practices in there. What I was really interested in was, are they going to address the uh, labor and equipment requirements, the cultural practices that are going to need to be required of these fields? They're going to be, uh, you know, higher end fields than what's currently there, sort of a minimum level. Uh, are they are they projecting in the future we're going to need more labor and more equipment? Uh, and they didn't address that. And and that's pretty common, I think, in a lot of these documents. Frank, you're you're nodding your head. Ben is too. Uh, these people put a lot of you know these engineering forms firms who develop these specs put a lot into the construction and they don't think about the maintenance. Uh, what I would say is is there's an APA for that, right? There's there's an app for that for everything, Frank. Uh, APA, the acronym uh, is for American Physical Plan Association. Uh, Dan Shy, the director of Cornell Grounds, has turned me on to these documents. They talk about this is really focused on educational facilities, buildings, uh, and how we we keep those buildings. Uh, they have a lot of tables. And, you know, I, I love tables, Frank. I'm a table guy. A lot of yeah. tables and specs on how often they have to maintain these areas. Uh, and they have a grounds version. And they start with expectations, which is so great. They call it levels of attention. They have a one through five level. Uh, their level one is what they call state of the art maintenance. Uh, and that goes all the way down to level five, which is minimum maintenance. And in their grounds document, they talk a lot about the, the various types of grounds and they start with levels of attention and then the needs based on those level of attention. So, you know, they have examples of baseball fields, general turf areas, landscape beds. Here's a, here's a little snippet of the, of the soccer and football section. Uh, so they have a bunch of the tasks, mowing, seeding, irrigation, fertilizer applications. And based on those level of attentions, how much time you're going to spend in a given week uh, across the season doing those things. And they total that up and they have some really cool numbers that would be great baseline numbers for people who are, who are generating these sorts of engineering documents to consider on the back end how much maintenance is required. So uh, this, this brought me back to some stuff Chris Titko and I did in 2017 when, when Chris was back with us as a graduate student. Uh, the next slide, Frank, shows uh, some of the estimations we came up with with Cornell Athletic Fields. Uh, so we looked at a bunch of the different uh, athletic facilities at Cornell and came up by month with all the activities and the frequency you need to conduct those with. We have scouting, fertilizer, irrigation rolling in here, uh, and we came up with some some estimates of hourly uh, requirements to maintain those fields. So so really, my rant today, Frank, is is when we build these things, you said it best the other day when we were talking, we build these things and then we burden ourselves with the maintenance afterwards. And it would be really great if we plan that maintenance when we're building them. Yeah, and, and a lot of it is is just forethought. And and Ben, I talked about this work that Carl and Chris did uh, at NERF, uh, the Turf Foundation uh, a year ago. Uh, I talked about, you know, managing division one sports fields and it came from this. It was really good to see, Carl, the validation from the American Physical Plan Association. And, and I, you know, you know, one of the things is we have to explain this to people who don't know anything about it. And I've got a point about this, but oh, let me see. Yeah. So first I want to get to the weather and then I'm going to get to the setup for Ben. So if you guys will indulge me for a minute, we'll go through a quick what's been going on in March and what are we going to expect moving forward? Well, no surprise to most people. It's been when you look at the whole of, you know, the first 15 days of March, Happy St. Paddy's Day, right? Is it St. Paddy's Day today, Ben? Where's your green? Are you Irish, Ben? 
<laughs> no, hey, listen, you had two Italians, three Italians yesterday. You got two Italians and a Jew. So it's not working out well for us for St. Patrick's Day. No, we're doing good. All right. So, so, so um, just uh, warm conditions so far in March. And generally what uh, we heard from Art yesterday, our climatologist, is that the, the fall and winter, the winter saved us from the drought we were in last fall. It was really dry going into the winter. Uh, and the precipitation we've received, especially where you are, Ben, you were pushing 200% of normal. Uh, we're in a little bit more of a dry spot out here, Carl, hovering just a little bit below normal. And the New York metro area is always fascinating to me, right? It's really good right around the city and Brooklyn and Queens. And then you get to where Beth Page is and it's bone dry uh, right in the middle there. And it's very funny how precipitation can be continuously spotty like this. Now, the thing that's really interesting is um, really glad for the snow for the ski places. Gosh, those New England ski places finally had a decent year. Uh, I think for the most part, they're certainly... Uh, above normal in March, uh, but as you can see, the rest of the Northeast uh, significantly at or below normal uh, for snowfall. And of course, that essentially says that not a lot of people had to worry about snow mold this year. And if you're worrying about snow mold, you're probably worrying about it from microdochium patch, uh, more the pink snow mold than the gray snow mold that requires, you know, long periods of snow cover. Well, and Art said this too yesterday. He goes, we're going to get a little cold weather, but then it's going to just go. And it really looks like April uh, is going to get warmed, which really is pertinent for our discussion today. And it's a 50-50 chance about what it's going to be rainfall-wise. This is the hardest thing to predict. It does look like the Great Lakes in general are going to be wet, but it's not clear whether it's going to make it to the East Coast. One of the other things we talked about yesterday with our, our climatologist is, yeah, the air can get warm, but that soil's not going anywhere uh, anytime soon. And this really drives breaking grass out of dormancy. And it's really important to understand, we're pretty good sometimes at getting it green, but that doesn't mean it's growing and it can put up with the traffic and the wear. People see green grass, it's like, oh, let's get out there. Green is different than growing uh, when it comes to the spring. Now, Ben, here's, here's the setup for today. Uh, I don't know how many text messages you got during the Super Bowl. I got 32. <laughs> uh, People who I haven't talked to a in lot. literally yeah. 15 years are like, Frank, what WTF with this field? And of course, you know, I boast, so they think I'm involved in everything, right? Ben, probably your family thinks you're involved, you're involved in everything, right? So I got 32 messages. This is very interesting from my perspective. One is it really draws a light to what we do. Even a negative light, like any press is good press, right? To a certain extent. Homer throwing him under the bus was probably not the best move for the NFL. But I think in general, you're starting to see more professional responses and more attention being paid. Carl and I got an email the other day because this goes to trying to explain what happened at the Super Bowl to people who don't know anything. Carl and I got an email the other day from somebody involved in our New York State school facilities thing. And he sends us an email, wants us to get involved in a publication, Ben, much like we're going to talk about in a minute, your BMPs. This is what he said in the middle of the, of the paragraph we needed to do. Just take a minute. Think of it as trying to explain to someone who just started as a director of facilities how to manage grass at a district and their prior experience was a maintenance supervisor for a plumbing contractor. 
So this is what we're tasked with just about every day, especially in the sports turf business. Maybe golf, it's a little bit different, but, but I don't know. <laughs> now to address this over the years, and particularly because we've had pesticide bans in place here in New York State for a really long time, we have a really comprehensive website that people can go to and get information. In fact, Ben, your publication links to it on many occasions, which we really appreciate. It's just so great. And one of the things we address in here is working with coaches and athletic directors. Now, big kudos to the New England Sports Turf Managers Association uh, and my old grad student pal, Vicki Wallace. Um, is that Chris? And I don't know the fella to the right, Ben. Who's that fella to the right? That's our president-elect, uh, Art Goodheim. Okay. Art and, I, and yep. Chris, I know. He's a familiar face. Correct. And yep, that's Vicki Wallace, the state, the turf extension specialist uh, in, in Connecticut. And there's Ben, uh, and probably a picture he he enjoys seeing with with the things that matter most. But I know you probably had to take a lot of time away from them to put together this best management practices. Now the Mid Atlantic had done one, right? This is your version, and it's one. Of, I'm just going to highlight a little bit, do some high level, and then we'll chat about it. Really good. Whenever you do BMPs, you have to start with the regulatory framework. You have to understand what, are, especially in, in municipal environments where, you know, you guys are involved in, in, you know, working for the municipality that enforces these things. You guys are held to a higher standard. So paying attention to this, this book has a very comprehensive list. In fact, I thought the soil health one was particularly, the, the soil health one was particularly interesting. This happens to be the legislation stuff. Now, this we'll talk about how to get the book, but these other things that you've done, which I think are consistent, what's like our website, what's unique to New England? Well, one of the things you, unique, to, unique to New England is you've got these patchwork pesticide bans. You've got these restrictions in certain places. You've got heightened awareness and concern about these sorts of things. So, this case study that you did with Rick Peruzzi up there in Maine, where these things are happening, is, is incredibly well done. You know, what we learned at the bottom of these case, oh, sorry, at the bottom of these case studies, he, what, what did they say? Every three to four years, you need a pre, but you can go, this is the kind of language we need to talk, not, I got to have pre's every year. Hi, how long can I live without them? This is absolutely brilliant. Big shout out to Rick. Now, of course, this was one particular one was uh, near and dear to my heart because the phrase mowing thing, citing the work that we did with Chris a number of years ago, taking out the weed seeds, right? And this has been published by Jim Brosnan uh, and the folks at Tennessee. And then this one was really interesting, the robotic paint job thing, especially with how long this thing will run. You can't swap the battery. When it's exhausted, it starts clogging and wobbling, painting erratic lines. So, you know, this is the kind of stuff that you, we're really grateful to guys like Brendan who do it and then tell us about it, right? They take the time not just to do it, but to tell us about it. All right, Ben, we'll, uh, I want to, before we get to these questions, let's go back to the document here. Talk to us about this document. Give me a, a little bit more than an elevator speech. What's the genesis of it? And what are your plans for it? Yeah, so so uh, so Vicky and I, Vicky headed up the uh, SFMA document a few years ago. It was right around when COVID started, and you know she was uh, STMA, SFMA at the time wanted a, a BMP document. We put together 
uh, sports turf managers, practitioners, uh, educators, extension, uh, and everything, and, and built a document on the national side. Uh, and, and that was good. And then the, always the goal was to have some regional DMPs. Uh, and really, Maryland, as you said, kind of led that, that charge. Uh, and the idea being is the SFMA document was kind of that template where we could take that template and bring it to a region and then put our own spin on it, if you will, put those regional uh, information that, that's important to us, like you said, like the pesticide regulations, uh, one of those things, uh, you know, we don't need to talk about Bermuda grass here, really, overall, though maybe we need to, and, and we did leave some of it in a little bit. Um, and then really what we did is, and then, like I said, for, for our NESMA document, we took, again, practitioners, educators, sports turf managers from New England, brought us all together, brought the, the national document in and said, how can we make it our own? Uh, and, and certainly kudos to Vicki and, and uh, Alyssa in her office. They worked tirelessly, tirelessly on this project, which, which again was funded by the New England Regional Turf Grass Foundation. And that's key. We, we NESMA could not do this without them, uh, you know, no way. Uh, and we spent a lot of time looking at the document and uh, making as many things uh, New England based as we could. And then, as you said, from a case study perspective, we kind of looked at um, other BMPs, golf, sports turf, other places around, and Maine did something really interesting where they, they added these case studies in, which we, we really liked. And as you kind of hit on it, yeah. it's really good yeah. practical information. Um, and they're one page, right? It's one page, we, the way these are set up, they're one page, front and back. And always the idea was this, this is something that can be left for agency purposes. For legislators, um, for someone like my boss, who again was a facilities director who doesn't know things about sports turf or, or grounds, um, but can understand this from a layman's perspective of what we're doing. Um, so the, the case studies, we didn't include them in the document because they're always, we think they're always going to change, right? We think we're going to have these be new in every couple of years, I think is that what we're, we're thinking about as uh, Technologies like the robotic painter come into into uh, uh, fashion. Um, just different different things we're learning about. Um, so it, it's a it's a really fantastic document. I just it, I can't say enough to kudos to Vicky and, and, and Alyssa and, and all the other participants who really helped with this. It was it's it's a great document. Yeah, I haven't been involved in the golf one uh, here in New York State. Um, I know the lift that it. It is, and it usually falls to just a few people at the very end to get it over the line. And uh, in my case with golf, it was Stacy Kingsbury here in New York State and Ken Benoit and the guys down there. But you have to have a key core group of people. This is good for other people, maybe from other states or other areas that are listening to this. This is the kind of thing you can rally an industry around, right, Ben? I mean, this brought a lot of people together. And that in and of itself is, is really good. Now, I will say too, you guys have done a really good job in bringing sports turf managers together in New England in a way we have not effectively done uh, here in New York State. So that is also something. We have not found a way to rally our sports turf managers uh, as effectively as you guys have done and then have that relationship with the Regional Turf Foundation. So listen, how are you going to distribute this thing? You have a sort of unique way you're thinking about it. Uh, I think it's, it's, I, I, if me, I, if I was in New York right now, I joined the New England sports turf managers thing just to get this thing, period. period. And that's, right. And, what, that's what, and that's what we're looking at. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's, it's our, it's our document. It's an ESMA document, proprietary. 
um, and we want to offer it to our membership as a member benefit. And we think that's really important. Um, so, you know, it, it's available on our website. It's a, it's a locked document. Like I said, you have to be a member to, to uh, have the document, have the case studies. Uh, we did print uh, a, a quite num a few num a number of them. Um, but as you said, there's a lot of links. So, that, so the, the PDF document is really the living document where we link to a lot of different um, other pages, uh, other fact sheets and things. So it's really, it's, I think it's much better than, the, than the, the book itself, but everyone, you know, everyone likes holding on to a book still for certain, for certain things. Um, so we encourage people if, if they want the, the document, become an EFTA member and it's that simple. And then you have the opportunity to have that document. It's perfect. Congratulations. Well done. Now. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> You're well, this is just great. I'm so glad we can highlight it like this. And you can go to the NS, you know, you can Google New England sports turf managers. It'll take you right there. Uh, you can, can you sign up online? Absolutely. Perfect. There you go. Okay. So Ben, back, how about your work now? Um, it was, uh, I mean, we had, if I'm not mistaken, I don't know if Carl Swanger golf club, but I know it was in the sixties and seventies for a few days in February. Uh, and we had two weeks of really warm weather and I'm sure you did too. And, 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 you mm -hmm. know, this thing called cabin fever is a known uh, issue. It is something we diagnosed back in the old days, you know, before we had social media, people were still nuts before social media came around. Let, lest anybody forget. It's just, we didn't know about how nutty everybody was. But people had problems with cabin fever. They got locked up. So the minute you can get out, Ben, they want to use it. Now, you came to mind immediately as Carl and I were talking about this um, because there's not a lot of science around this stuff. Here's what I can tell you. The grass isn't growing. It's going to wear out. If the soil's fine textured and wet, it's going to turn to mud. There's not a lot of research you have to do on these particular facts. What you have to do, this is where the science ends and the management picks up. Your use of sneakers on these kids, right, in the early season uh, is, is that innovation. So first off, what do we do with early spring play, what I call fall spring? You know, they get that play, and now you got this crap. They want to get back on it. Is there anything you can do in the fall? Let's look back for a second. That sets you up for what you want in the spring. Yeah, sure, absolutely. As, as much work as we can do in the fall to get these fields prepped for spring is what we end up doing. And, and like you said, we had a bunch of great weather in February. We were doing ball field work in February. We were getting uh, in, new infield mix in. We were working uh, uh, foul line areas. Um, you know, we were, we were getting pitches mound and, and plate areas ready to go uh, while the weather was good. You know, strike while the iron's hot. Um, we cooled down very quickly here in the fall. So there's a few things we wanted to do late in the fall that we just weren't able to do. Like what? Um, like what? Just ball, more ball field prep than anything else. Uh, uh, that's uh, more the, the skin. The biggest more thing. the skin. The yeah, skin. more the skin. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we obviously want to have 100% turf cover going into the, into the, uh, the winter season. Um, so, you know, we're constantly overseeding goal mouth areas. We've been doing that no matter spring, summer, fall. We're doing that anyways. Um, mm -hmm. We actually did try a little bit of covers this, this winter uh, on some goal mouth areas. Uh, I did pull back the covers back in late February. I did have a picture of that on Twitter. Um, everything's still down. Uh, I'm actually going to go out today and take, take a peek under and see, see what it looks like uh, now that we lost all the snow here. Um, but yeah, having 100% turf cover is certainly important. 
I will say this, we are lucky here in Weston, we have enough fields, so we do a field rotation schedule. So we okay. end up taking a field offline. Yeah, we take a field offline every year, every, well, sorry, every season, and we rotate around. And I get it, people cannot, if you're landlocked, I get it, you can't do that. Um, but we're lucky we're able to do that. So we have one of our main lacrosse fields offline uh, this springtime and still debating on what we're going to do for some extra maintenance while we have that time to recover. And, and I think the thing is, it, you know, you're right. Not everybody has that luxury, but that's a piece of information that is good to pass on to people as an aspiration. It's like, you want better fields? You need a few more, period especially if you want to use them at times when you're not assured to get good recovery, right? So, so do you then, you know, obviously you tell them they got to wear sneakers, right? That's, is, that's the move yeah, early well, on yeah, sneakers. So, yeah. So we have, we have youth start up pretty much next week or so, maybe depending on the way that the fields dry, um, you know, first week in April and, and we'll reach out to our, basically it's our youth soccer, youth lacrosse for the first, couple weeks or so while they, before they have games and say, you know, we'd love you to use sneakers. Do they all listen? No, of course not. They don't all listen. But if I can get 50% of them to do it, that would be great. Um, but, you know, when I got guys to work on it today, we have two synthetic fields, right? And that's that shoulder season of the muck and the nastiness that we have. Uh, we have high school sports starting Monday. They're going to be on synthetic for a week, you know, and I've already had conversations with our athletic director. I said, listen, First week, all synthetic. He said, "Yep, no problem. You let us know what you need, what you need us to do." Yeah, perfect. Um, perfect. And, and and we'll get there. You know, they're gonna want to jump on a ball field. Well, you know, they want to they want to throw the baseball around the diamond. No questions asked, right? Um, and we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. You know, long range forecast looks pretty good in the next like seven to ten days. So I think we'll have yeah. some skin fields, uh, you know, potentially ready to go. Yeah, and we're gonna do. That's great. And I gotta tell you, that's great. I'm glad that you brought attention to the infield mix because every year. We have my favorite infield guy, Evan Machete from Penn State. The work he's done is pioneering, and I don't think anybody's even paying attention to it, except the MLB guys who have been perplexed by this stuff for a really long time, and there's no standards and specs for it. The clay is really difficult. Carl, I want to give you a chance to ask Ben maybe some operational questions or anything else before we wrap up today. Yeah, you mentioned there a little bit, Ben, but the communication with, with an athletic director or a coach uh, that's integral, right? In, in outlining the expectations for the spring and saying, hey, you know, we've got this long range forecast, so we might be able to get you out, but but I'll keep you updated. Could you talk a little bit about the importance of engaging with those people and, and some of the best ways, best practices to approach them when, when you're saying something like, hey, we got to hold you off the, the ball fields for a little bit. What's what's the best way to go about that communication? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's it starts at the beginning, long before this, of having a good relationship with administration, athletic directors, uh, even our our youth uh, coordinators, uh, our youth sports presidents. Having that, I had a I had a coffee at the coffee shop with the youth baseball president last week, and it's you know, it's it's just having those relationships that make going forward having tougher questions and tougher answer sessions uh, together. Um, so having those good relationships, I have a great relationship with our athletic director here. Uh, he's a very easygoing guy, which is great. Um, you know, and, 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 I, and I get it. Some people just, they're go, they want to go, go, go. Hey, uh, college baseball has been going for a month already. Right. And it's, you, you got to deal with it. Yeah. You got to deal with. 
Um, mm -hmm. And we're lucky here that it's just we have those good relationships and, and we don't we don't start super early. Um, and again, like you said, having those having those conversations about weather, having those conversations about um, what what do we really need? And I I have those with some of the our, our use boards. What do we really need for for uh, for fields lines? Exactly do we right. really need them all lined? Do we need some of them lined? Do we need gold other places? Do we can we use cones? Right. So let's let's mm -hmm. spread the wear. Let's spread the damage. And 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 we'll, you know we're going to work with you as much as we can. Yeah, yeah, and being nimble, right, Carl? Being nimble is really important because stuff's always happening with all those fields. Yeah, Frank, and, and you've had some experience dealing with some of the, the Cornell uh, coaches here as well, um, but asking the right questions and asking them to give uh, certain types of input rather than others, right? You've talked a lot about, tell me what you yeah. want to see in the ball as opposed to tell me if I should mow it higher or lower or rolling, right? It's, it's almost it's about two the kinds question. of coaches. It's two kinds of coaches. Those who can tell you what they want and those who, who feel like they need to tell you what to do. Just tell me what you want. I can figure out how to do it. I'm a professional at this, right? We're professionals at this. And I think that's really fundamentally what I want to end with, Ben, is there that relationship that with per, with someone also requires some professionalism. It doesn't mean you don't get dirty. It doesn't mean you don't work, boot, you know, wear messy clothes sometimes because you're out doing something that's got to get done. It means that you know what you're talking about. You're consistent you're, you understand their side of the situation and are sympathetic to it instead of, I, you know, you know, the old, I was re-watching Ted Lasso. This is very funny because I want to watch the third season. The very first episode when he shows up and gets near the grass, the guy runs across, don't step on the grass, don't step on the grass, right in the beginning of it. And I think we need the other thing, which is my job is to get you on these fields, not to keep you off of them. My goal is to have you use them as much as you want and never restrict you is the goal, right, Ben? It's just not always easy. Oh, exactly. That's exactly it. And, it, and it's taken a little cue from the golf superintendent world, right, of, of uh, being able to put on a collared shirt, uh, clean off those pants and having a good conversation with someone. Um, you know, sports turf managers don't have the best uh, uh, track record on some of that. And, yeah, right. image, absolutely. Yeah, it's image. And, and, yeah. and we need, to, we need to do a better thing, a better uh, job doing that. Uh, and, and like I said, that starts way before the season starts uh, with having those, having those uh, good relationships, right? Ben, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Carl, another Happy to help. too fast 30 minutes, too fast. It's it too goes fast. By, by too fast, breaking the time, time space continuum, like, uh, like back to the future. Thanks a ton, Ben, for joining us. Uh, we'll see you guys yeah, next week, time. Thursday and Friday. A golf show, and then we'll get some some landscape folks there on Friday. Take care, everybody. Thanks, Carl. Thanks, Ben. See you guys. This has been a production of Cornell University. On the web at cornell.edu.